Um, just wrap up 2014 um, and uh, just preaching uh, today on just some things I feel like God's given us um, for this morning and uh, wrapping up our Project Hope series for now, possibly, we believe, maybe, right? Um, we, we'll see what happens uh, next year. Uh, hope is going to be a big theme for us next year and um, uh, we've enjoyed this series. It's been the longest series that we've ever done here at City Life. I know it's the longest series I've ever been a part of. And uh, it's just fun, but it's just so good to go through and just look at God's goodness and the hope that we have in Christ, right? Just can't stop talking about it. And so um, so we're going to continue today and just uh, talking about that and really just um, uh, wrapping up with the promises of who he is. And so that's what we're going to be doing today. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I do want to take some time uh, real quick um, to open up service and just pray. Um, for um, those that are sick today, I mean, it's just been crazy. Uh, last night, I know at Newport News, I was talking to so many people that had family members home sick or they were starting to feel sick. And I've been watching people on Facebook just drop like flies, you know what I'm saying? And they're just like two down in the house, three down in the house. And you're like, oh my goodness, you know? And uh, uh, just, yeah, I know so many people here this morning in Williamsburg that couldn't be here because they're sick. Um, Steph and Ryan actually just had to leave because Jax has a fever. Um, the, the spike just... Uh, uh, just a second ago, and they haven't had them in there. They've been watching them, and, and it's just um, it's just crazy, right? Um, just all the sickness go around, and we just believe God's a healing God, and He's a He's a God that can protect, and uh, and so we just want to pray for those that are are feeling ill and those that are traveling as well, because we got a lot of people traveling. So let's just take some time and just pray real quick. Father, we just come to you as our as our God, as our Father, as our loving Father, as our healer, as our provider, as our protector. We come to you, Lord. God, we come to you humbly and we come to you boldly because of who Christ is and what he's done for us. And God, we know that you're a God who hears and a God who listens. And Lord, we just pray right now in faith. God, there's sickness just all around and there's people that are suffering from these sicknesses. And God, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will touch their bodies, make them whole and make them well. God, we pray for those that are um, just even now beginning to experience something. God, I pray, Lord, that you break it quickly and allow them just to be strong and healthy. And God, may a resounding praise for your goodness just be lifted from your people, from your children. God, because of your goodness. God, I just pray for those that are traveling. Pray that you just protect them, keep them, help them arrive back home safely. And uh, just help them just to be um, just full of joy and thankfulness for the, the treasures that you've given them of time with family and friends. And so, God, we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, as we wrap up this sermon series on hope, um, just today, I just uh, was trying to think through just how we're going to wrap this up, and uh, I honestly had a thought um, that has been developing, and I think it's developed into something bigger for another time, um, and it's something that God's still speaking and working on me, and, and so I just didn't feel uh, ready to um, speak that today, and as I was uh, just reading through some different things, uh, I stumbled across um, an article that I'd saved from 2010. I believe it was um, from a pastor, uh, Perry Noble, who had wrote some things, and it just really just started speaking to me just about who God is, and uh, just really just um, connected with where we've been and talking about hope. Uh, as you know, as a church, we've been talking about hope uh, is not just a, uh, an emotion, but hope is a virtue. And that if we look at hope as an emotion, we kind of walk through life just wishing that things would be made right. We kind of wish with just the sense of like, maybe it will be fixed, maybe it won't be, but who knows, it's kind of up to chance. But as followers of Christ, 
He's called us to live a life of faith, which is a life of boldness and a life of, con of confident expectation. That if we have hope based on the faith of Christ, it's this confident expectation that what God said to be true, what God said will happen, will happen. That we have this promise that is true in Christ. And because of that promise being true, being absolute, that it has always been true and will always be true, that we can have this virtue of hope, this thing that, that anchors us, that keeps us even in the difficultest, most painful of situations, the worst of storms, we can be kept, we can be still in God's presence and know peace and joy. That is the hope that we've been talking about as a church and what we've been walking through. And, and as we uh, just kind of wrap this up and look at um, who he is, I, I really just, um, the thing that God's been speaking to me and just really just um, kind of expanding in my heart is, is, is really understanding the promises that he has for us and to believe in them to be true is based on my understanding of who he is and my view of him. I, I think sometimes we can get into a place, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that we can kind of get into a place as Christians that we get into a little bit of this road and we just kind of, okay, this is what we do, this is what we believe, and we just kind of just go, but we don't really think about it. And sometimes these thoughts can come into our mind and we feel bad about them, so we push them out, right? Sometimes we can start to doubt God and we, we say, oh, no, I shouldn't doubt, right? And so we just stop doubting, right? Or maybe we feel pain and we're like, no, I shouldn't feel pain. We should move past it, right? Or we start getting sick and we're just like, no, I shouldn't be sick, right? I'm not sick, right? But you got snot pouring out of your face, right? And you're like, no, you're sick, right? And so sometimes we can just get in this mindset that, you know, I'm, this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and so in that, like, what happens is, is we start getting focused on something else other than who God is. And God understands us to be human. And he understands that we have emotions and that we have feelings. He understands that we have flaws. He understands that we have faults. He understands that we make mistakes. This is God and he accepts us as that and he embraces us as that. And he comes to us in the mess of our lives. Right? He came to us through Christ as a baby. Weak, frail, and dependent upon everybody else. Right? Subjected to all of the imperfections of this world, he came to us as that, in our mess, accepted our mess, and then came and he, re he freed us and he, he gave us this opportunity to step outside of that and say, no, there is more than just the mess of our lives. That's who God is and that's how he came to us. And so we can get so caught up in things that we, we just really just get just, just focused on, on our circumstances, get focused on, on, on what we see other than God. And what happens is, is God gets decreased unintentionally because the things in our lives, our circumstances, they get increased. And as that happens, we begin to view things wrong and we begin to subject God to things and feelings that he shouldn't be subjected to because he's God. We start putting God in the box of human understanding and we start putting God in the box of, well, this is how he feels because this is how I feels. I, I feels. <laughs> I feel, right? And, and we, we get mixed up. And we start translating who God is and, and how God loves and how God performs justice and mercy based on our understanding of those things. And it, it's easy for us to, to so elevate our stuff that we decrease and we de-elevate who God is. And, and as I've been wrestling with that and just thinking about that, the thought that for me is, is how do I develop a discipline how do I develop a lifestyle that continually observes and acknowledges the enormity of who God is? 
the bigness of God, the glory of God, just the, the magnitude and just who he is. How do I do that? And that's the sermon that I don't feel quite ready to preach yet, that I feel like I've been working on, that's just been there and it's just not quite there. And so it, it's coming, all right? So what I feel like, though, was the beginning of that was understanding God to be a good God and understanding that his promises are true. And so as I, as I was thinking, I was like, you know what, there's some things that I think, and as I found this article, these are promises for, for me and for us as a church that we need to hold on to and that we, we see that these promises are true and that they can be absolute, that we can have confidence in them to be true, that they can keep us, but not only keep us, but help us to live the life that God has for us to live. And so those are the promises that we're going to look through today. And, and I love how God does this and uh, he so often uses my children to help me see things, to see how he sees me, right? And, uh, and it, it humbles me um, to know that God still loves me when I act that way, right? And so I stop in the moment. I'm like, what's wrong with this child? And then I imagine God up there going, what's wrong with this child, right? And it's the same thing for me. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, that's good. God, thanks. And it get, helps my kids to see that dad can be merciful, right? Because it stops me, right? And uh, and so um, I was thinking the other day, um, we, were, we were out shopping and doing things. We were getting gifts for family and, and friends and, and wrapping up some things uh, for all I want for Christmas. And, and we were doing that. And uh, we were out and we kind of just missed dinner. How many know you do that a lot during the season, right? You just miss dinner a lot. You're just like, oh, shoot, it's 7 o'clock and I haven't fed my children at all today, right? <laughs> and, um, and so we were out and we were just like, okay, what are we going to do? And, and Rylan, my daughter, she's, you know, she's five. She's super picky. You know, she's just like picky. It's like if it's not chicken, pasta, or rice, right, she's not going to eat it. And, uh, and it's got to be a certain type of chicken, which means Chick-fil-A, right? Um, and so, you know, so she's just like, you know, that's just kind of the world that she's in. And we're trying to help her branch out and, and all that stuff. We actually got her to eat Vietnamese last night. Which was, was awesome. So I don't know if you've ever been there. We went to Faux 79 last night. Have you ever been in that place? Oh, my gosh. Glory. All right. So, um, so. Anyway, so we were just like, okay, what are we going to do for dinner and all this different stuff and trying to figure it out. And Braden's like, I want Taco Bell. You know, and me and Michelle are like, no, <laughs> we're in our mid-30s. We don't do Taco Bell very often anymore, right? We still love Taco Bell. I won't lie. There is at least once a month that we'll do 1130 Taco Bell run just to try to remember our 20s, right? And then we pay for it the next day horribly. Um, but, but. You know, Brave was like, he wants it for dinner. We're like, no, that's not going to happen, right? We just, no, no, all right? We're not going to do Taco Bell. And he's like, I want Taco Bell. And so Braden lost out on Taco Bell. And uh, we ended up, what we did was just got the kids something from Chick-fil-A. And then Michelle and I, we were just like, we can wait. We'll just eat at home. And, and so that's what we did. And so, um, and so we got the kids Chick-fil-A. And they're eating their Chick-fil-A. And then we were just talking and looking through the fridge. And we just couldn't get satisfied with anything. And so the Michelle's like, hey, what if we did a late night Taco Bell run. And I was like, that actually sounds really good, actually. <laughs> and so we were like, let's get the kids in bed and let's wait. We got to wrap presents and do all that stuff and we'll have Taco Bell. That's like, that sounds like a lot of fun, right? And, uh, and so and I was like, we're going to sleep in tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be a slow day so we can, be, <laughs> we can recover well. And so we're just talking about it. And as we're talking about it, Braden walks into the room, right? And Braden walks into the room and he's just like, you're getting Taco Bell? <laughs> and we're like, 
Yes, buddy, we're going to get Taco Bell. He's like, and you're going to eat it in my face? You're just going to go get tacos and eat it in my face? You're the worst parents. And then, like, went and, like, sat down and, like, faced the fridge, right? And, like, Indian style is, like, facing the fridge. And he's just, like, crying. And I'm just, like, staring, going, is this happening right now? Like, what is he talking about? And he's just sitting there facing the fridge. And then he, like, looks over his shoulder. And he's got, like, one tear rolling down his cheek and, like, a half smile, right? So he knows that he's being drunk. And so he's just like, looks at me with his half smile, and he's just like, in my face! And then turns around, and I'm just like, I couldn't help it. I started dying laughing. I'm like, what is wrong with this child? Like, am I going to A, beat him, B, take away all his presents, or C, both, right? And so like, I'm just like, or am I going to take, go get Taco Bell and literally eat it in front of him? I don't know. And so I'm sitting there, and I was like, what is happening right now? And so he's just like, keeps going on and on. So I stopped him, and I was like, Brayden, grab a seat right here and get a hold of yourself. You know? And I was like, dude, I was like, I was like, who are we? Like, do you think we're like the meanest, cruelest, like most awful people in the world? No, you're the best parents in the world. Why are you responding this way? Like, I wasn't going to eat it in your face. You were going to be in bed, right? So you weren't going to know, right? (laughs) I'm not going to sit there and say, I'm going to torture you. I was like, dude, did we not get you Chick-fil-A? He's like, yeah. I was like, do you not love Chick-fil-A? He's like, yeah, I love Chick-fil-A. And I was like, do you not think you'll get Taco Bell at some point in your very near future? He's like, yeah, I will. I was like, what's the deal, man? Like, I don't, I don't get all of this right now, right? And I was like, what do you think I'm doing to you, you know? And he's like, you're not doing anything to me. And I was like, exactly. I was like, dude, you, you allowed a taco to cloud your view, right? A bad taco at that, right? To cloud your view of your parents' love for you. To cloud your view of who we are and what we are willing to do for you. And a lot of times we can do the same thing, that we allow something that is in comparison to a Taco Bell taco at 9 o'clock at night, right, in our lives, compared to what God has for us and who God is and how he loves us. And we let a taco become so much more important than God's love. We allow our perception or desire for that taco to shape God's love to us. Here's some promises that God has for us this year. Seven promises, and we're going to read through each one of these scriptures um, just to kind of help emphasize them, that we can hold on as promises that are true, that shape God's love for us, that in moments where we feel like we don't have, in moments we feel like we're subjected to, in moments we feel like God doesn't care, God is distant, God is anything other than good, loving, and merciful that we can stop and say, no, this is true. And when we stop and say, this is true, we begin to realize the enormity of who God is, and it shapes our understanding of our circumstances. So the first one is this. First one is this. As a follower of Christ in 2015, you can hold true to this promise that God's plans for your life are greater than yours. And success is not found in control, but rather through surrender. God's plans for your life are greater than yours. And success is not found in control, but rather through surrender. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now to who, him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. So let me say that last part again. According to his power. Everybody say it with me. 
according to his power that is at work within us. Listen, God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. God has a dream for your life. God has an idea of what your life is supposed to be, how you're supposed to live your life, what your life could look like. God has an intentional desire for you in his plan and of all of eternity. That's amazing. That's amazing to stop and think about it. And it is according to his purposes. Right? We should hold true to that when we look at our lives that God is in control. He's a sovereign God. And that all things that take place, all things that happen to us, they are within God's will, God's purposes, and God's plan for us and for his eternal purposes and his kingdom. Right? And that we should stop in that moment and we should say, listen, man, anything that he's got planned, it's greater than I can plan for myself. It is beyond me. It is so much bigger than I can even imagine. And for me to experience God's goodness and to me to experience success in this life is not dependent on me saying, let me get all my stuff together. Let me make these things happen. It's to me to say, God, you're in control. I surrender to you. God, whatever you want to have happen, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to speak, God, I'm willing and I'm ready. God, I know there's discipline involved. I know there's things that I have to do. I know there's things that are required of me. God, I'm willing to do those things. God, I'm going to take control, not of my circumstances. God, I'm going to take control of my will, and I'm going to surrender it to you. When we live that way and we have this understanding that God's purposes are greater than our own for ourselves, man, we begin to live differently. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says this, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God has given you that. He's given you the will and the desire. God has given you what he wants you to have and to know of who he is. What you are supposed to do in this life, God is giving you those things. The desires to wake up and to read your scriptures and to pray. God gives you those desires, right? God submits those things to you and says, here, here is what I want for you. Here's what I want you to experience. Here's the love that I want you to know. Here's the discipline that I want you to know. Here's the correction I want you. God gives you those things and he gives you the desire to walk out this life and say, I submit to those things. I want to experience your goodness. I want to experience the correction that you give me so that I can be better and closer to you on the other side of it, right? God gives us a desire to enjoy him and to walk out a life of faith. The second promise is this, is that if God brought you to it, he will lead you through it. He always finishes what he starts. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Hey, listen, if you've given your heart to Jesus Christ and you've said you are, he is my Lord and Savior, God, I submit to you and I want Jesus to be my everything, I want him to be my Lord, then guess what? He is going to finish what he started in you. Every person that I've talked to that I've ever known that has a genuine, true understanding of who Jesus Christ is and has truly made him Lord of their lives, they are walking out their lives and they are different today than they were when they got saved, right? God is doing a work in you. And you might say, hey, that's a slow work. I don't see much progress, right? Or maybe you look at your husband and you say, hey, that's a slow work, right? Or maybe you're looking at your children. And you're like, is there any work happening, right? Maybe it's slow. 
But I'm telling you, God is at work in each one of us as we surrender our lives to him and submit ourselves to him and say, you are Lord. God, I'm trusting you. I'm chasing after you. God is doing something in you. And you might feel like you've taken one step forward at one point and you've taken 20 steps back at another point. It doesn't matter where you think you are in God's scale. You are a child of God. He looks at you and he says, I'm doing something in you. And if you keep seeking him and putting him first, where he wants you to be is is where you will be today and at the end of your life. God is doing something in you. Trust the work that he's doing. Acknowledge the work that he's doing. Let other people show you the work that he's doing. Speak and help you to see that work, but know that God is doing something in you. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Don't say it's all useless. Don't stop chasing after God. Don't stop reading your scripture. Don't stop coming to church. Keep chasing after him. Keep giving everything to him. Keep saying, I want more of you. I want to know more of you. I want to experience more of you. I want to be closer to you because he's doing something in you and you will be greater you will be closer to him you will be more of who he wants you to be tomorrow because he's doing a work in you that he will complete thirdly you can hold true to this promise that there will be times in your life that you're going to have to leave your comfort zone and step into the unknown hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen it gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. I love this in verse 6 in the message translation of Hebrews chapter 11. It says this, by an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely. How cool would that be, right? Enoch skipped death completely. They looked all over and couldn't find him because God had taken him. We know on the basis of reliable testimony that before he was taken, he pleased God. It is impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Listen, God has something that he wants you to do in this coming year. He has something he wants you to do in your personal life. He has something he wants you to do in your family life. He has something he wants you to do in your work life. He has something he wants you to do in your church life. And then I believe that God has something he wants you to do in your kingdom life that is beyond what you could even imagine. It's bigger than what you could even imagine. And maybe 2015, it's just another step towards understanding that or even seeing that. Maybe your year, this is the year that you step fully into that and you say, God, I'm ready, I'm willing, and here I am. Let's go, let's do this thing. But God is wanting to do something in you and through you that requires faith. He doesn't want you just to live a small life, an insignificant life. Now, it doesn't mean that all of us are going to go and we're going to do and live lives like Louis Zambini and this, you know, people are going to make movies about us, you know, Unbroken, which I don't know if you've seen yet or not. I can't wait to see that movie, right? We would all to live, love to live that life just that big where people write books about us and make movies about us. But maybe that's not the life that you are going to have. Maybe your life is a life that only impacts one other life. And then that life is a life that only impacts one other life. But then that's the life that impacts thousands of lives. 
You don't know your role. You don't know your part. But our part is to step out in faith. And if it seems like something that's too big for you, that don't, you shouldn't run from it, but you should step into it and say, God, I'm willing. I'm ready. God, I want to step into what you have for me. God, I believe that you have something that is eternally purposed for me in this life. And I want to be doing those things. I don't want to be focused on my things. I want to be focused on your things. And as I'm focused on your things, guess what? I know you're going to take care of my things. Right? That's who God is, and that's how God wants to care for us. You guys are too good and too quiet right now for all this stuff. This is good, right? Number four. Number four. That we cannot do life alone. And God places people in our lives to both encourage and challenge us. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Listen, as the world gets crazier and we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ, we're going to need each other coming together as his church more and more. People, you need people in your life more and more and more. It is becoming more of a norm for us in our culture to isolate ourselves and to remove ourselves from genuine relationships where people can actually speak into our lives. Kids nowadays are rejecting because they're being taught to reject the authority that their parents have to speak in their lives. You need somebody that can speak into your life from God's word and say, hey, you're on track or hey, you're way off track. You need people to speak into your life. You need people to encourage you, to help you see the goodness of God, that when you see nothing but a wall in front of you, they can help you to see the steps to help you get over that wall, right? You need that. You need that in your life. You need to experience that. There are things that that God's gonna ask you to do for people that you think is just a moment of spontaneous generosity or maybe it's just something you're supposed to do because it's the good thing to do, but you don't know the goodness that that could reveal to somebody else. You don't know the power and the authority that that could be used to show who God is and show his goodness. I'm gonna go ahead and just share it. Hopefully um, they're all right with it, but... um, this morning I was talking with somebody and they were just talking about uh, just some, uh, just uh, trying to be general just to help protect them and just in case, because um, I'm just doing this on the spot. So, um, but it just, it's such a good way just to illustrate this, but I was just talking just to, to them and just talking about just some good things that they just experienced in life. And they said, I knew that God has riches for us in heaven, but I never knew that God had riches for us here on earth as well. You don't know what you can step into. When you say, God, I'm willing to do life with people for your glory so they can know who you are. You don't know what you can help reveal to someone else of who God is and how wonderful he is. That he has riches for us in heaven, but he's got riches for us here on this earth. And the riches that he has for us here are the people that we get to go to church with and do life with, that love Jesus with, that we get to call brothers and sisters because of who Jesus is. Those relationships matter and they make a difference in the relationships that God has given us. Don't take those lightly. Invest in them, pour into them, chase them like you've never chased them before in 2015. Number five, you can hold to this promise in 2015 that God really does work out all things for his glory and our good. We've just spent a lot of time talking about this, but Romans 8, 28 
And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter how amazing it is. It doesn't matter how bad it is. God works out all things for our good. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and David Platt, he said this. He said, God uses sorrowful tragedy to set the stage for surprising triumph whether in this life or the life to come. Listen, our hope in Jesus Christ is that no matter how defeating our circumstance can be in this moment, that there is and will always be victory in our life. Whether it's in this life or an eternal life, we will and we do experience victory through Jesus Christ. That's the life that we have. That's the hope that we have. That's the confidence that we have, that God will work out all things, all things, right? That God allows all things into our lives so that they can help us to become more like Jesus. And they can help us to become closer and closer to him and deeper in relationship with him. That's the reason we're alive. That's the reason we're here. That's God's intent in us being on this planet is to be in relationship with him. He shapes us and works in us through all things. And the more that we look to him in those situations the closer it draws us to him. And that's how it works it out for our good, right? And when we step into that, things that can make us question and feel so deeply and, 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 and struggle so much in this life that literally leaves us without answers. That we can stop and we can look at this. I don't understand how this brings you glory, but it does. And because I see how it brings you glory, it makes me love you that much more. And it brings out the good in you because it helps you discover who God is and moves you into the place that he wants you to be in his presence with him. Number six. Number six. You guys should be excited. It's 11.16 and I only got two more points left. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Number six. Hold true to this. That you cannot separate yourself from the love of God. He doesn't love us based on our performance, but rather our position as his children. Romans 8, 38 through 39. Thank you, Vanessa. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 through 39. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are a child of God when you've submitted your life to him and made a vow of devotion and said, Jesus, you are Lord. When you have done that, you are made right with God. We just sang about it this morning, right? You are made right with God. He looks at you not as somebody that has failed him, but he looks at you as a son or a daughter who he deeply loves. And though there may be and though there will be consequences for the decisions you've made and things that you're going to have to deal with because of some of those decisions, and though this world is broken and we just have to live through this life and it's broken and all of its imperfections, those things are just going to take place, that God still loves us and he sees us as his children and he will protect us, he will keep us, and he will always with open arms welcome us, embrace us, and restore us. That's who God is and that's what a loving father does. 
You are a child of God. Hold on to that promise. When you make mistakes, don't cower and run in fear. Run to him with humility and stand before him humbly in in fear and saying, God, I don't want to be away from you. I don't want to be apart from you. I don't want that to be my life. I want your presence to be my life. Don't run from him, run to him. When Braden makes mistakes, Braden doesn't run from me. He quickly, and I pray to God that this stays, and I have to guard this as a parent because it's a treasure to me that I don't want to lose. But I realize in the moment that I have to protect it. Braden, anytime he does anything wrong, he runs to me and he tells me. I mean, instantly he runs to me and tells me. I hope that stays true. As harder as it's going to get because the things are going to get bigger, right? And they're going to be more painful to hear. I hope that always stays true. The other day he came to me and I was just sitting there and uh, we were at my mom's house and I was uh, working on some stuff for service this weekend and, and uh, Braden just came and he stood next to the chair and he's like, hey dad, this is Braden's, I just made a big mistake pose, hey dad, I know what you're going to say and then I'm like, okay, let's bring it, right? <laughs> so he was playing a trick on me, right? And uh, he loves taking my phone or my iPad and doing things to them. Uh, usually it's changing the names of them, you know, so like when somebody texts me or when I'm talking to Siri, she calls me something inappropriate, um, and he thinks that's just absolutely hysterical, um, and so he wanted to up his game um, a little bit, um, and so he thought it'd be so funny to put a passcode on my iPad so that I couldn't get into it without the passcode. The problem is, is he forgot the passcode. Which, if you know anything about those devices, that if you put it in too many times, it starts locking you out for different increments of time. And then once you're, it's done, it's done. And, I mean, you can't know the password. You have to restore the iPad. So you literally have to wipe everything off of it and start from scratch. And so in that moment, he's just like, hey, Dad. <laughs> um, and I was angry, <laughs> right? I was angry, right? But I stopped and I was just like, hey, you know what? Let's just talk through this, Right? Because if you do this again, that's going to be a totally different subject, but right now, <laughs> right? He came to me quickly because he knows that I'm a loving father who says, I'm going to look at you with grace and I'm going to look with you understanding. There could be a consequence that you're going to have to walk through, but he's my child and I love him. And my love for him reigns above all things. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross, you and your faith in him as your Lord and Savior, you are a child of God. And his love for you reigns above anything that you can do. Does that mean that we're, we no longer have to work? No. Does that mean that there's no more consequences for things that we do wrong? No. Does that mean that we can just live however we want to live? Absolutely not. But it means that in this life, things will happen. We will make mistakes. And in those moments, we're no less his child than the moments we're doing everything he wants us to do. That's a promise that should keep us and hold us in all situations. That you are a child of the living God, the creator of the universe, he is your father, and he loves you. Last promise, and the worship team can come up with this. Number seven, hold on to this promise, that you can do what you think you can't do, but feel like he keeps telling you that you've got to do. <laughs> you can do what you think you can't do. You know, and I know. There's something that God is telling each and every one of us we need to do. It might seem small to you when you hear somebody else share their thing. But the thing that God's speaking to you right now that you must do, that you say you can't do, 
is the very thing that you can do. In Philippians chapter four, verse 13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Listen, in 2015, I believe that it's gonna be a big year for us as a church, and it's gonna be a big year for the church globally. I believe that we are having an opportunity like never before to be able to step on a platform and say, I believe what I believe, and it is true today just as it was ever true before. That when we stand up in sincerity for who God is and we stand up in sincerity and say, this is my God and I know these things to be true of who he is. Doesn't matter what I see. Doesn't matter what these things look like. I know who he is and I know these things to be true. And I know that either in this moment or another moment to come or in eternity present, that God has the victory and I will be victorious and I will stand as his child before him and I will be in his presence for all of eternity. I pray that my life in 2015 will shine brighter, will be lived larger, and will be lived more passionately for the Lord than it's ever been before. My prayer for this church is that we will live bigger, that we will live beyond our understanding, that we will live in a faith that is bigger than we could ever have imagined, that we will accomplish things that are bigger than we could have ever asked for, that we will do more for this community and for the glory of God than anybody ever thought that a church in Hampton Roads could ever do. I believe that to be true. Maybe it's just another step in that direction. Maybe it's an experience of that. Maybe it's a fruition of something that we've dreamed of years past coming true. I don't know what it is, but I know that God has more for us. And I know that I can step into those things, walk towards those things, because I know that God is real. I know that his promises are true. I know that I'm his child. I know that he has given me all that I need. And I know even in the moments when I don't have what I need, that he gives me those desires, that he gives me those dreams, he gives me the faith that I can't have in myself, that he gives me the strength that I don't have in myself, that God is there loving, caring, showing mercy, showing justice, helping me. And when I know those things to be true, I can stand up confident and say, God, I'm willing, I'm ready. What do you want me to do? that's the position I want us to be as a church. So let's stand, let's worship, and let's pray that God will help us to do just that.